Well, hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us today, being here in, in the service. Thanks for everybody joining us on social media. Hey, I want you to go in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to spell that, but, <laughs> but let's go to Ecclesiastes. And uh, the, the third chapter, Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, and the first verse. And the Bible says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. What I want to talk to you today about, uh, which applies to all of us, is seasons of ministry. Seasons of ministry. And we need to realize that we are all ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we don't all stand behind pulpits. I, I've had the privilege of standing behind this pulpit for, for uh, 27 years, although it wasn't this exact pulpit that I've stood behind for 27 years. Uh, I've stood behind this pulpit for uh, 23 years. But we met at Rockwood Summit High School when we first started, and we didn't have too much back then. We did not have a... Uh, a sound system like we have now, and so we had just a little karaoke machine. It was, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was just one step above a Mr. Microphone, and uh, but the the podium that I had that we used was a music stand that they had up there, one of the old music stands they let us use. And so I'd put my Bible and my notes on that music stand, and then I'd have to hold the stand. And if I ever stepped away from the stand. When I'd come back, you know, it was one of those that was movable. It would sink and move all the way down to my knees, you know. <laughs> so, so I don't know if any of you remember that, but it would go down almost to my knees. So then I had to pull it back up and then I'd preach for a while. If I'd step away, that thing would, that thing would go down, you know. But, uh, so we've, we've come up some since then and, and so this is a nice podium here. But, uh, but, uh, so not everybody stands behind a, a pulpit. You know, but we are all ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're all ambassadors for him. And so I want to talk to you today about seasons of ministry. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. You know, down here on the earth, not everything lasts forever, does it? Not everything lasts forever, does it? There's a season to everything, a time for every activity under heaven. And if you think about Moses, you know who Moses is and uh, uh, the great deliverer, you know, of, of God's people. Uh, there were seasons to his ministry. And, uh, you know, uh, one, one thing I want to tell you, if you're taking notes, God's seasons are typically not short periods of time. God's seasons are typically not what we would consider short periods of time, like six, six months or six weeks or six days or, you know, even six years. Uh, God's seasons are typically not short periods of time. Now, sometimes they are. Sometimes they are, but typically they're not. Now, like with Moses, he was 40 years in Pharaoh's court. He was known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But there came a time where he, did, he, he, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And so, remember, he wound up in, on the backside of the desert and he was shepherding sheep for his father-in-law. Remember that? And so he was 40 years. Now, 40 years is not a short period of time, is it? It's, it, to me, it's quite a long period. And he was in, in Pharaoh's court for 40 years. And then he's, he's on the backside of the desert for 40 years shepherding sheep. It's interesting. 40 years in Pharaoh's court, but there came a time where he had to leave Pharaoh's court. Right? And then he went on the backside of the desert shepherding sheep. And he did that for 40 years, but there came a time where that season was up and he had to leave there to do what God had called him ultimately to do. Now, it's interesting that, and, and you ought to, if you're taking notes, you ought to note this, that, that, how do I want to say this? Like, 
each season are, are seasons that we go through. Typically, each season or seasons prepare us for the next season. Okay? So when one season comes to an end in your life, typically that season has gotten you ready for the next season. And it's interesting, if you look at Moses, he was 40 years in Pharaoh's court, then he was 40 years in the desert, but both of those seasons got him ready for the ultimate season that God had for him because God uh, told him to go back to Pharaoh's court and say, let my people go. So he had to know his way around Pharaoh's court. You understand that? So you can see the first 40, the first 40 years of his life, that season got him ready for when he got to be 80 years old, God told him go back to Pharaoh's court and say, let my people go. Remember that? And then Remember, after Pharaoh finally let the people go, where did Moses lead them? He led them out into the wilderness where he had been shepherding for 40 years. Well, if I'm going into the wilderness, I want somebody that knows the wilderness, don't you? And so you see God was getting him ready there in the wilderness to, to uh, shepherd, not, not sheep this time, but, but millions of God's people, you see. So, so Moses, those two seasons in Pharaoh's court and in the backside of the desert was to get him ready for the ultimate season that he had for 40 more years as the deliverer of Egypt. So you see how seasons, we all have seasons in our life and, and they come to a, to a close, but God then has something else for you to do. And the previous seasons typically get you ready for the, the upcoming ones. Now, if you go to 1 Kings 17, let's, let's look at this as it pertains to Elijah, the prophet Elijah. And notice 1 Kings 17, we'll start with verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, to evil king Ahab, he says to him, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years except at my word. So it wasn't going to rain, we find out later, for three and a half years. And uh, but but so the, God directs Elijah to go tell that to Ahab. And uh, so there's, there's going to be a drought, no more rain. And then in verse two, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, so there's further direction comes, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now, again, if you're taking notes, you want to underline that. Uh, there was a good minister many years ago. He preached a message and he titled it The Place Called There. And, you know, we all have those places in our life that God directs us to. And, and really, a uh, key to being successful in life is hearing from God, seeking God and finding out where your place called there is. Because it's, it's only when you're there that you're going to experience the perfect will of God and the fullness that God has for you. And he will provide for you when you're there. No, when you're there. Notice he told, uh, God told Elijah exactly what brook to go to, the brook Cherith. Now, if Elijah hadn't have went to that brook, guess what? Uh, the provision would not have been there for him. But he said, he said, look, he said, it will be that you shall drink from the brook. I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. So Elijah had to go to that brook and there was going to be a season for him at that brook. You know, we, we've got to find out the place God wants us to be. Like Abraham, remember Abraham? When he was, uh, God told him to sacrifice Isaac. And God said, go to the mountain that I will show you. So it was important that Abraham went to the right mountain. Otherwise, it was going to be bad for Isaac, right? Because if Abraham hadn't went to the right mountain to sacrifice Isaac, guess what? That ram wouldn't have been caught in the thicket. And that ram died in place of, of Isaac. Remember that? So it's important that Abraham went to his place called there. And, uh, and Elijah's place called there was the brook Cherith. You know, I've watched this over the years when people don't get in 
they're not sensitive to the seasons that God has for them and they're not sensitive to the place called there, the place they're supposed to go. Uh, they tend to go down. They tend to go down. Or, or if you stay in a, if you, you see, I've found this, none of us really, when you get right down to it, really likes change. None of us really do. None of us really do. And, and we can get so comfortable in, in the season that God has for us that when he changes that, a lot of times we'll bucket that and balk at that and we, want, we won't want to move on to the next season. But what we don't realize at the time is that next season is going to be far better than the one we're in. You see, but a lot of people, they don't want to go on to that next season. I know I'm guilty of it. You get real comfortable in the season God has you in and you, you like it there, you know, and we'll just, we'll just stay right here forever. But remember, there's, a, there's a season for everything and there's starts to seasons and there's stops to seasons, just like the four seasons of the year, you know, you know, and, and I always like it when spring comes, you know, but guess what? Spring then turns into the heat, doesn't it? But then I like when fall comes because things cool off and I wish we could stay in spring and fall all the time. But then all of a sudden when fall's over, guess what? We get the cold weather. But see, there's seasons and a lot of times we get in the season that God has for us and we just think we're going to stay there forever. And But sometimes you can stay in a season too long. You can stay in a season too long. So if you don't get in the place God has for you to be, or if you stay there too long, you tend to go down. You tend to start going down or backward, you know. I think of Jonah the prophet. You remember Jonah? The word of the Lord came to him and said, go to, go to Nineveh and preach to it the message that I shall give you. You remember that? But Jonah didn't go to Nineveh, at least not at first. He went, the Bible said he went down to Joppa. See, if you don't, if you don't obey God, you'll start going down. If you stay in that season that God had you in, but he doesn't want you in it any longer, and you just want to stay there and just stay, 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 you'll start, eventually you'll start going down. And that's what happened to Jonah. He, he, he went down to Joppa, and then the Bible said he went down into the ship, and then he had to pay his own fare. See, when, you, when you're not in the place God wants you to be, you're going to have to start Paying your own way, God won't be providing for you anymore. And then the Bible says that 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 Jonah he he uh, went down from the ship into the sea because they threw him over eventually, right? And then after that, he went down into the fish's belly. And then after that, inside the fish, he went down to the very bottom of the sea. So you see, if you're if 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 you don't get it, see now if he would have went to Nineveh like God told him, that's where God wanted him to go. He would have never went down, down, down. But he didn't obey God, and he he went the opposite way, and he kept going down, down, down. And uh, and so if you don't obey God to start with, or if you say you do obey God, and then you're in that season that He has you in for years and years, but then it's time to change, and you don't want to change, just want to stay there forever, you'll start going down eventually. You'll start going backward. Things will start going down. And that's what happened to Jonah. Thank God for repentance, though. He repented, and, you know, everything worked out all right for Jonah in the end. But uh, But anyway, back to Elijah here. So God told him to go to the brook Cherith. And God said to him in 1 Kings 17, verse 4, that, that he had commanded the ravens to feed him there. Now let's look at verse 5. So Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord. So he, he obeyed God. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. So he went to the place that God told him to go. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Now, I would say that is supernatural provision, isn't it? Absolutely. But it was because he obeyed God and went to that place that God told him to be. And he was to be there for a season, for a time. But notice verse 7, and it happened after a while, see, after a season of time. Now, this was a shorter season. Usually, God's seasons are longer. But this was one of those times where, the, 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 I don't know how long he was at the brook. We know the famine was for three and a half years, or the drought was for three and a half years. So, I don't know how long he was at the brook, but he could have been there, you know, several months. You could argue a year, maybe. I don't know, but he was there 
we know it wasn't, it was, I, if I had to guess, I would probably say maybe a, a, a year, maybe. I don't know. But, but, but God's seasons are usually longer than that. You understand? And, uh, but, but he was to be at this brook. And while he was at that brook during that season, God provided for him. But you see, after a while, verse 7, the brook dried up because there'd been no rain in the land. But listen to this. When the brook starts drying up, now let's say you've been in the will of God, right where God wants you to be, but the brook starts drying up. Now let me ask you a question. Can you be right in the middle of the will of God and have the brook start drying up? Absolutely. You have an example of it right here. Elijah was right in the middle of the will of God. He was right where God wanted him to be, but in the process of time, the brook started drying up. Because there'd been no rain in the land. But let me tell you this. If you're in the season God wants you to be in, you're in the place he wants you to be in. When the brook starts drying up, notice what happens in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, when the brook starts drying up, there'll be further direction from the Lord. When the brook starts drying up, there will be further direction from the Lord. Okay. Isn't that comforting to know? It's very comforting. When the brook starts drying up, now assuming you've been in the will of God, now if you hadn't been in the will of God, if you hadn't been in the season God wants you to be in and all that, now you're going to have some dry brooks in there and the ravens aren't going to be showing up in the first place. But you can be right where God wants you to be. Now, but now what if he just said, I'm not leaving this brook. I'm not leaving this brook. I'm staying right here at this brook. I like that the raven's been bringing me food and, and I, I like that I'm not leaving this brook. And he wanted to stay in that season too long, past where God wanted him. I mean, he would have he died right there. Is that right? Where God once provided for him, he would have eventually died right there at the brook if he'd have stayed too long. Do you get what I just said? That if he'd have stayed too long, if he'd have stayed too long, the ravens stopped bringing, bringing the food, right? And the brook's dried up, right? But you see, the brook's drying up. God had further direction. And notice he says, verse 9, he says, Arise, go to Zarephath. So there came a time now that Elijah needs to leave the brook. And he said, Go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. So see, now there's another season for Elijah. And it was at the brook. Now it's over at the, in Zarephath. And, and, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. And we find out this was not a rich widow. This was a very poor widow. But do you know, uh, the widow, whether rich or poor, is not the source. God is the source of supply. And God uses people, rich and poor. So this source here that God's going to use, this widow, doesn't, I mean, it makes no sense to the natural why God would send the prophet Elijah to a poor widow. But, uh, you know, I, I've learned this. Walking with God and living by faith often doesn't make sense to the natural realm, to your natural thinking. Just often it doesn't. But he said, I've commanded a widow to provide for you there. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all of what happened after that. But, uh, uh, but there was miracle provision and the widow made the, the cake and brought it to Elijah first and all of that. And, 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 and her food and drink continued on for, I would say, if I had to guess, probably, well, we know the famine was three and a half years. He was at the brook for probably a year. So maybe two and a half years, give or take, somewhere in there. That's a long time. I mean, she was almost out of food and, and drink. I mean, she was down to just she was going to eat what she had left her and her son and die. But you see, she obeyed God and that, that provision lasted quite some time. So, but, but see, he was at her house for, I, I guess, conservatively a couple of years and there was miracle provision. But notice here in verse 15, it actually tells us that. So she, so she went away, did according to the word of Elijah, you know, bring me the little cake first, bring, bring it to the prophet first. She ate in her household for many days. So that's quite some time. But notice, if you go to chapter 18, of 1 Kings, you see that his season at the widow's house also came to an end. His season at the widow's house also came to an end. It, it came time for him to leave. 
Now, again, I'm convinced if he would have stayed there, because, you know, you can get real comfortable there at the house. He was at the brook where the ravens was bringing him food. But now he's over at the house. I think the widow's house, I think the widow's house was probably more comfortable than the brook. Probably. But, you know, he could have got real comfortable at the widow's house. So, well, we're just going to stay here. I mean, that oil is producing, that meal is producing, we're eating and we'll just stay here. We'll just stay here forever. But, you know, uh, the season came for him to leave. And, uh, and notice in 1 Kings 18, verse 1, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, so in the third year, so I, I, that's probably the third year of the drought. So you can see that this, is, this whole scene of at the brook in the widow's house going on for about three years, three and a half, whatever, whatever however you want to do the timing of it. But, but the point here is, is that he was at the brook Cherith for a season. That season was up. He's at the widow's house for a season. That season is up. But every time, now listen, every time, I want to say this again, every time a season that God has for you is up, the word of the Lord will come. Direction will come from God. And notice here, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So you see, he had further direction and he went and did. He left the widow's house. He may not have wanted to, but he did. And and, and you got to realize, too, from my study of it, you know, we read the Bible a lot of times, don't really realize the depth of what's going on. They were looking for Elijah. I mean, they, they, they were not pleased with him. He just, remember about three, three and a half years earlier, whatever it was, he came and told Ahab, ain't going to rain again till I, till I say. They were looking for him. I mean, you understand that? This wasn't an easy thing that, I mean, you know, it's not like they're going to be having a great parade for Elijah when he goes over and presents himself to Ahab. You understand that? But he obeyed God. You know, obeying God isn't always easy, is it? It isn't always easy. But it went over there and it presented himself and, uh, and so on and so forth. And, and for the sake of time, uh, with Elijah, for the sake of time, because we could go, it'd take me weeks to go through his whole life. But he had much excellent ministry after this. Much excellent ministry. Uh, many miracles in his life. Actually, you know, calling for that drought was really kind of just the beginning of his ministry. And, uh, and after that three and a half years was up, he goes and presents himself to Ahab. Then the rain comes. And remember the power of God came on him and he outran Ahab's chariot. That's pretty cool, don't you think? And this is a man who called down fire. That's pretty cool. He raised the dead. That's pretty cool. Just think if he would have said, I like it here at the brook, I'm going to stay at the brook. Well, he would have never got to run under the power of God. He would have never got to call down fire. You understand that? So uh, what if he just said, I like it here at the widow's house. We're going to just stay here. I like it over here. Well, he'd have never got to run under the power of God. He'd have never got to call down fire. He'd have never got to raise the dead. See, we need to be sensitive to the seasons that God has for us. And uh, when one season is up, we need to be, be ready to leave that, even though we may not like it, uh, but to go to the next one because God has greater and better things for us in the next season. Can, can you say amen to that? A- absolutely. And he had much excellent ministry after this. And uh, it's interesting, the book of James, you don't have to turn there. But the book of James brings something out about Elijah's humanity. Because we get to thinking of these prophets, you know, in the Old Testament that, you know, they were just infallible. And now, now they were in, infa- how do I want to say it? When they prophesied under the anointing of the Spirit of God, because the Holy Spirit is infallible, the words coming out of their mouth, that was infallible. But the men themselves were not infallible. They were human, just like you or me. Did you get what I just said? Did you follow that? And, and so Elijah, when he was prophesying by the Spirit of God, that was infallible because it was Holy Ghost moving through him. But the man himself was, fall, was fallible. He was human. And uh, you can see in the book of James, it brings out, and it says that Elijah was a, was a human being, just like you or me. 
And he had, he had, he had weaknesses and, and, and just like you or I. And you know, as I've studied his life and I have studied it quite extensively over the years, Elijah did a lot of things right. He did a lot of things right. But you know what? I am sure there are things that he, if he could, would have liked to have gone back and done over again. Uh, can anybody relate to that? All of us in this room, we've done a lot of things right in our life. All of us have. I think we're too quick to beat ourselves up. No, I mean, we're, we're all sinners. We've all missed it. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and thank God for His grace. But just as human beings, a lot of times we tend to beat ourselves up. But you know, all of us, I know all of you. I know your lives. I'm talking to people here in this sanctuary. You've done a lot of right things in your lives. But isn't there anything that you, if you could go back, or some things that you'd do differently? Well, I guess I'm the only one. Now, don't sit there and look at me behind, from behind them masks. I'm going to make you take them masks down. And I want to, no, I'm teasing. Isn't there things you do over differently? Or is it just me? We'd all do things. Like when, like remember when he ran. Now, this is a man who just called down fire not too long ago. And now he's running from Jezebel. Huh? Because he killed her prophets. Remember that? I'm sure that was one that, that he might do differently. He, 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 he might not have, have ran from her. He, uh, you know, he got in the mully grubs at one time and he might do. I mean, I've been in the mully grubs. Haven't you ever? You know what I mean? Mully grubs down in the dumps. What was me? And, you, you know, it's all wasted time, isn't it? I wish I could go get all that time that I've spent in the mully grubs back and relive it. I do something productive, you know. So we, we can relate. But you know, as I've studied Elijah's life, he had ups and downs just like all of us. But you know, he had more ups than downs. And at the end of his life here on the earth, it's interesting, he got to experience the ultimate up. And if you look at 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 11, now this is many, this is years later, so I'm just highlighting his life. It happened as they, that was him and his assistant Elisha, who was going to take over for him. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire. Now think about cool. Think about cool. I think about cool. Now what if he, well, I'm going to stay over here at the brook. I like it at the brook. I'm going to stay over here at the, at the widow's house. Now I mean, not only would he have not got to run under the power of God and raise the dead and all these other things, call down fire and all that, but... This is cool right here now. This is really cool. He wouldn't have been, you see, we gotta be sensitive to the seasons that God has for us or, or we're gonna miss, like if Elijah, uh, we're gonna miss out because if Elijah hadn't been sensitive to the seasons, He's going to be back at the brook and he's going to miss this. Look what happened. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire. Now that's as cool as it gets right there. And separated the two men and Elijah. He gets on that chariot and he's caught up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now that's cooler than cool, isn't it? See, and we're, a lot of us, we're still back. Oh, I gotta leave the brook. I gotta leave the brook. I gotta leave, I gotta leave the widow's house. I gotta leave the widow's house. And all the time in our future, God has all those good things. It will just move with God in the seasons. And then, and then eventually, He's got a, God sent one of His chariots for this man. And He boards a chariot of fire. Phew, he's taken away. Isn't that something? So we don't want to be too down about having to leave a season when God directs us to do so. Because God's got something better for us. Amen. For all of us. Amen. Amen. But we got to obey Him. Got to take a step of faith to step out. And it's interesting with Elijah, you know, now he's caught up. He, he did not die physically at that time. He was caught up alive. And Enoch was the other one before him that was just taken in a similar way. I don't know that Enoch went in a chariot of fire, but, you know, but nonetheless... Enoch was caught up alive to heaven and so was Elijah. And it's interesting with Elijah 
that even though he left the earth, he left the earth, his ministry continued. And actually, a lot of people don't realize this, but, but I think it was about seven years later, approximately, evil king uh, Je- Jehoram comes to the throne of Israel, and he was evil. And once he got established in the throne, he killed his brothers and had his brothers put to death and this evil man. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in with a letter for this evil king. And guess who the letter's from? Is from Elijah. Now, I do not believe Elijah sent it from heaven. But he apparently, he was a prophet. He knew the future. He didn't know all things. He knew what God revealed to him. He sent a letter. He had left a letter for this evil king indicating that the, it's in it's in Second Chronicles 21. You can read it. Indicating that the king would be punished severely for his sins. What am I trying to say? Even though his season on earth at that point was up and he was taken into heaven, he still... He still had ministry on this earth. I mean, that's fascinating. It's just fascinating. Because just when you think the jig's up, God's got something else for you. You know what I mean? And, 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 and Elijah, though he was caught up to heaven, he's still ministering on the earth some seven years later in the form of a letter. You think about that. Interesting, isn't it? And that, even though he was caught up to heaven, that's not the end of it. We see him again in the, in the gospel accounts. And when Jesus went up with Peter, James, and John onto the Mount of Transfiguration, guess who was up there to talk to Jesus? Moses and Elijah. So, I mean, we'd all thought for Elijah, the jig's up, end of the line. But now we see him all those thousands of year later, years later. He's on the Mount of Transfiguration. Talking to the Lord Jesus. Getting Jesus ready for, you can read in the Bible, uh, for his, his uh, death that was going to come up, his crucifixion, you see. Think about that. And then, as cool as all that is, you think, well, it's over for Elijah. I'll say it again, the jig's up, I mean. But it isn't. Because the Bible says... <laughs> And let me just read from my notes here. And you can see this in the book of Malachi. And you can see it in the book of Revelation that Elijah still has future ministry here on the earth. He's going to return as one of the two witnesses. I'm convinced he's going to be one of those two witnesses, uh, him and Enoch, because they never died physically. And it's appointed unto men once to die and all of that. So I'm convinced Elijah is going to be one of those two witnesses before the second coming of Jesus Christ, that he will minister in Jerusalem for three and a half years. The Bible says that anybody that comes against him, that fire is going to come out of his mouth and consume him. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Just think if he wouldn't have left the brook. Think about that. I mean, just, just, I mean, when you think your past is over, well, just think, I mean, the past is over, but God's got a bright future for you. And Elijah has great ministry yet to come in the future. And at the end of that three years, you can read it in the book of Revelation of his future ministry. Yes, he's going to be killed. It's appointed unto men once to die. But he's going to be resurrected. And then he's only going to be dead three and a half days. I think it is. Then he's going to be resurrected again. And this time with a glorified body and caught up to heaven. Good things for Elijah. But you have to be sensitive to the seasons that God has for you. Or you miss out completely. I don't have this in my notes, but I'll say this. Uh, this comes to me. You remember uh, uh, those seven deacons in the book of Acts? You remember them? And, and, and the church was growing there in Jerusalem, you know. And uh, they, they got seven deacons. The apostles couldn't handle it all. And so they were going to give themselves to the word of God and, and, and the ministry of the word. And they had seven deacons. Remember that? And one of them was Stephen. Another one was Philip. Remember Philip? He was willing to wait tables. But then we see him later down the road where God's using him as an evangelist. 
And we see Philip also running and overtaking a chariot and having a great revival in, in, in Samaria, I believe it was. But see, he had to be sensitive to the seasons God had for him. He had a season where he was waiting tables, but then God had a season where he was uh, uh, operating under the miracle power of God, you see, and casting out demons and seeing the, the sick be healed, you see. So if, if, if Philip hadn't have been sensitive, he'd have missed out on all that. So we have to be sensitive to the seasons that God has for us. And uh, remember, seasons start and seasons stop. But when seasons stop and come to an end, then God has something else. Don't ever forget that. Now, I want to close by talking to you for the next several minutes about, uh, go to Acts 9. And I want to talk to you as it pertains to this subject for just a few minutes about the seasons of Paul's life. You know, Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul. Notice here in Acts, the ninth chapter, the first verse, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, uh, went to the high priest and asked letters from him uh, to the synagogues of Damascus so that he uh, that if he found any who were of the way or any Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he was he, he was in a bad season right here, wasn't he? But 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 hold on to that for just a moment. It is a bad season. But watch this. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And then verse six. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what what do you want me to do? See, a season of his life had just ended. He had been a terrible persecutor of the church. And I'm glad that season ended. But we're going to see something in just a moment that, that Saul had going on in his life. Though the persecution that he brought against the Christians was terrible, yet he had something going on in his life, a season in his life that was very vital to God and very vital to you and me. But a season just ended. You know, when we get born again, when we come to Jesus, that, that sinful life, that season ends. I'm thankful for that. But notice he was trembling and, and all of that before the Lord, when, that, when the Lord appeared to him. But notice here, he said, what do you want me to do? That's my cry to the Lord. What do you want me to do? Isn't it your cry to the Lord? What do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So we know that he got up. He went into the city. Of course, Ananias, the, 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 that disciple, came and ministered to him at the direction of the Holy Spirit and so on and so forth. But for the sake of time, notice what, what happens here in, in Acts 9.20. Now this, this is just shortly, because he was blinded by that light out on the road. Now this is just shortly after he had got his, his, his eyesight back. He had just been a Christian a short time. Just very short, just very, just days. And notice here in Acts 9, 20, immediately, immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. He immediately became a soul winner. And the season of soul winning started immediately, as it should for all of us when we get saved. But he did not step into that. Now, we know Paul to be one of the greatest ministers of all time, but he did not step into the ministry just shortly after he got saved. He stepped into the ministry of soul winning, but it took years before God began to use him as a prophet and a teacher and then eventually as an apostle. And it's interesting, if you go to Galatians, the first chapter and the 11th verse, Galatians, the first chapter and the 11th verse, he writes and he says, Paul writes and says, because Saul, thank God he got saved and became Paul. And he writes and he says, Galatians 1.11, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Now, now that was not good. That was not good that he did that. But notice in verse 14, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Now, here's what I wanted to point out to you a moment ago. Even though he persecuted the church and that was bad, he had a season in his life. Notice right here, he said, I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation. There was a time in his life, even though he did evil things, but during this time, he was studying Judaism. He was advancing in it. He was studying the law of Moses. He was studying the prophets. He was studying the Psalms. And you know that the, the Psalms and the law and the prophets proclaim Jesus. God was looking for somebody to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. God had to get somebody that knew the law. He had to get somebody that knew the prophets. He had to get somebody that knew the Psalms. And, and it says right here, see, a lot of people read right over this, but it's so vital. God needed somebody who was advanced in Judaism. Beyond many of my contemporaries, he was, he was, Saul was right at the top. He knew the law. He knew the prophets. He knew the Psalms. And he was in a season of his life where God was in, when he was a sinner, but God was instilling things into him. For when he would become a Christian and God would need to use him to write the, much of the New Testament. I think we can all look back in our lives at things that God has instilled in us to get ready for a future time. I know in my life, I used to teach junior high. And I taught high school and I taught junior college. I liked junior college the best. And I liked junior college a lot better than junior high. <laughs> I never did get a spitball thrown at me in junior college. But I did take a few of them uh, in, in junior high. But you know, you think about that. All those years of teaching math, God was instilling in me and teaching me how to teach. For when he would use me over here teaching the Bible. There was a season that I had to learn the Bible so that I could teach it, you know. So we all have those seasons. There was a season in my life where God sent my wife and I to another state to, to, to study the Bible and so forth. And, and, and it looked impossible. How are we going to do this? And it wasn't a lot of fun on the flesh, I must say, to leave your jobs and to walk away from, from financial uh, income and payroll and to go to where there was no promise of anything. But see, that's faith, isn't it? Assuming you've heard from God, and we did, and I've told you the story how when we got to, to, the, to the other state, how, how it looked like, like somebody had been there before us and got everything ready. It was, it was Jehovah Jireh, God, saw ahead, made the provision, see. But that was a season. And then, like I said, a season of teaching. And then all getting ready for where I would stand and teach the word of God. But you see, that's what happened with, uh, with, with, with Saul of Tarsus. When he was a sinner, God was getting him ready. And instilling within him and he excelled. But notice verse 15. But when it pleased God. See that's what we all want to do is please God. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. And called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. That I might preach him among the Gentiles. Watch as I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So there was a season where God had him in the desert. A season where God had him in the desert. Think about that. 
What was he doing out there? Uh, uh, he was receiving the revelation of the gospel of the grace of God. Praise God. And, he, and he had all that built in him from the Old Testament. From the law of Moses and the Psalms and the prophets and all of that. It was already in there, see? It was already in there. And now God could take that. Now his Saul has become Paul. His heart's changed. And now God begins to, you see, build on that and, and gave him the revelation of the grace of God. But he, but, but there was a season where he was in, in Arabia. And then eventually returned to Damascus. See, he didn't immediately become an apostle. He didn't immediately, he, he became a soul winner immediately, but there was seasons. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, remained with him 15 days. I saw none other, uh, none other of the apostles uh, except James, the Lord's brother. See, God was instilling in him and getting him ready to write almost two-thirds of the New Testament, or over half anyway. And then if you go to Acts 13, it's interesting... Verse 1, now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Of course, the list begins with Barnabas and ends with Saul, who is Paul. Now, notice there was a season of training there in the desert and so forth. And at this time, when we come to Acts 13, verse 1, it's clear to me that, that Paul is being used now as a prophet and a teacher. And you know, to be a prophet and a teacher, that's great. And many people would think that that's the end of the, that's the end of the line for Paul. I mean, what more do you want? Prophet and a teacher. That's the end. That's the, that, that has to be the final season. But guess what? Look at verse two. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now here comes the Holy Ghost talking again. When there's new season, the Holy Spirit starts talking. And he says, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Think about all these years that, that, that we've just talked about with, with, with Paul, Saul, who became Paul. And now, after all this training, now he's just at the point where God is going to use him for the ultimate season, for the ultimate thing that he really called him to do. He said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to where I've called them. And they, having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them and sent them away. And now, Paul goes out with Barnabas as his companion. Paul goes out as an apostle. A sent one, an apostle. And he was an apostle to the Gentiles. And he, after this, just when you thought he's a prophet, a teacher, and that's the end, now God says, now, now it's time for the season, the thing that I've really trained you to do, now it's time to step out into that. Isn't that, I mean, that touches my heart. And he went out after this as an apostle, and he established churches, and I could list them. He wrote by the Spirit of God over half the New Testament. Much great ministry, many great miracles. And he had his ups and downs, just like Elijah, just like all of us. The Apostle Paul was not infallible. Now when he was writing under the Spirit of God, that was infallible because it was a Holy Ghost do, you know, giving it, but, but the man Paul was, was not infallible. He did a lot of right things. But you know, as I've studied his life, there's probably some things he'd like to get a do-over on, just like all of us. And do some things differently. It's interesting, in his life, at the end, at the end, in his final season, he only had a few faithful who remained. All others had forsaken him. But yet he finished his course with joy. And many of naysayers might look in and say, well, you know, look at all the troubles that Paul had along the way and 
you know, and this and that and the other. And, but you know what? If you're doing anything for God, you're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. But I think if you're doing something for God, ultimately there'll be more ups than downs. And this man finished his course with joy. And he was martyred for the sake of Christ. He had his head decapitated. But it wasn't until he was ready. And then he said, before that, he said, there's a crown laid up for me. And not only for me, but all who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And his appearing is, I think, what he said. But all those seasons that he had was getting him ready to write over half of the New Testament pointing you and me to the grace of Almighty God through His Son Jesus Christ by which we got saved and miss hell and make heaven. I'm thankful that Paul was sensitive to the seasons that God had for him. So take a lesson from this today and know that God has seasons for all of us. Seasons begin and seasons end. But when seasons do end, guess what? The word of the Lord will come and he'll give further direction. And then you move out. And whenever God gives further direction, it's always going to take faith. You're always going to not understand some things. But step on out there and, uh, and he's got greater things in the future. The path of the righteous will get brighter and brighter. Did you get anything out of this today? So be sensitive to the seasons that the Holy Spirit has for you. And flow with God from one to the next. And remember, like I said, his seasons aren't always short. Sometimes they're long. Most times they're long. But be sensitive to them and you'll be glad you did. All right, uh, everyone watching on social media, hey, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you, call on the name of the Lord with a, with a believing and repentant heart. And uh, if you'll do that, the Bible says you'll be saved. You'll miss hell, you'll make heaven. The Lord Jesus will make your life worth living in the meantime. So call out to Jesus today and, uh, and then be sensitive to the seasons that he has for you. God bless you. Bye-bye.